Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And folks, we find ourselves in Lent. That's right, that time of year where people give up all sorts of everything. But the real question behind all of that is why? Why do we give up anything? Of course, Lent is where we remember that Jesus Christ was tempted in the desert for 40 days and is part of the Christian calendar. But we'll get more into that in a few moments. To begin with, I'd love to begin with this beautiful song called The Litany of Humility. Listen carefully to the words and see if you can say a resounding Amen at the end. So here's the thing that really has been striking me during the week as we approach this time of Lent and we move through this time of Lent. So often, especially for those of us who minister or who attend traditional churches, we embark on the same journey every year, from Advent through to the harvest at the end. So we start with Advent, normally in November, and we finish with the Harvest Thanksgiving services, which are in October. And so we have that journey through the Advent, birth, epiphany, then we have Lent, then we end up that we have Easter itself, then we move on to the Resurrection, of course, which is part of the whole Easter story, the Ascension, then Pentecost, and then the Harvest Celebrations, or the Ingathering the Feasts of Ingathering at the end. And we do this every year, and it can become for us an almost well-worn path. You know the way it is that when you travel a road so often that you end up that you don't notice anything that is actually taking place. You go into automatic pilot. When I was going to work in Kildare for many years, it ended up that my car almost knew its own way there. If you went and asked me what had taken place between my house and work, I could hardly even tell you because I was just so used to just being in a zombie, almost like state, driving there. I could go and drive carefully and safely, absolutely, but I was oblivious to everything that was going on around about me because I was just another commuter in a line of commuters travelling on that journey. And you know what? In regard to the church calendar, as which I've just mentioned, the Christian calendar that we have, where we do that journey every year, we can become almost in automatic pilot, oblivious to what is taking place. And so it ends up that we have travelled the road so often that it loses its significance to us. So in this Lenten season, I would encourage you to stop up and to reflect. And today, one of the exciting things is that In our journey, 260-day journey through the New Testament, we find ourselves in Mark in chapter 15, which has us at the crucifixion. What a good place to begin Lent by actually stopping up and looking at the end of what it is that we're facing. The redemption of humanity, our souls being ransomed, and we being brought back, adopted into the family of God, all through the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross of Calvary. And so as we enter this time of Lent and we reflect upon our own personal journey and how it is that we as Christians live out our lives, 
Isn't it good to reflect and to consider just maybe how far off the beaten track we have got? After all, how many of us really think about the journey that Jesus Christ took in this next 40 days or so on our behalf for our souls? Just a few thoughts just to get us going today. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. Just great radio. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And as I was saying already about our journey through the New Testament, 260 days, folks, and we already find ourselves almost at the end of Mark's Gospel, moving into Luke's Gospel this week. Well, in Mark's Gospel in chapter 15, it brings us to the foot of the cross. The whole story of Passion Week unfolded for us. And I think that this is a good and timely reminder before we begin this season of Lent to put in front of us, in our mind's eye, the very thing it is that God went and did for us. And so when it is that we go and give up things and set aside certain things, whatever they may be, that we do it in the light of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So let us listen now to Suchi as she reads for us from Mark and chapter 15. Mark 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law and the whole council made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. Now it was a custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked him. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder. Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away to the hall called Praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander, Androphus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast out lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. 
They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land and at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was a son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Psalms 41 Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desire of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores them from their bed of illness. I said, Have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely. While his heart gathers slander, then he goes out and spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has afflicted him. He will never get up from a place where he lies. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. But may you have mercy on me, Lord. Raise me up, that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, for everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Midlands 103. 
Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. Now, folks, now it's our time for our reflection from Sunday on Sunday. Hello, brothers and sisters. Now it's time for our Sunday reflection with Sunday. Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 20 to 22. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus has said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples look at one another perplexed about whom he spoke. Thus, on the Gospel of John, once again the Lord refers to feet washing by means of his word, but this time he does not put the responsibility on those who perform the task. Now it is about the one who receives his service. Calling someone's attention to his wrongdoing is in love with the help of God's word is not easy. It requires courage and especially humility but it is just as difficult to accept correction. Who likes to be spoken to? There too, a humble attitude is required. So if God's children want to benefit spiritually from each other, they will readily examine every corrective suggestion to see whether it comes from their Lord in heaven. The Lord now lets us see how distressed he is that Judas was going to betray him. The thought that one of his confidence will hand him over to his enemies does not leave him unmoved. His love could not bear it. What a terrible end Judas will come to. None of his disciples was sinless, but this horrible act will only be committed by one who was not one of his own, but who belongs to the devil. Judas knew exactly that the Lord meant him, but he kept the other disciples in perplexity. To the end, his hypocrisy was about to reach its climax. And the God bless his words. Amen. Continuing our understanding of Lent, if you go into a traditional church 
or some traditional churches at least, you will discover that the colour purple is used during Lent. Now, why is that? The places that you may see it would be covering the altar at the front of a church or the priest or minister would be wearing a purple stole. But these things are not by chance, but actually have symbolism and meaning. And although I'm not someone who subscribes to these things myself, it is worthy of note that we understand why it is that these things are used. Because very often I think that we are very, very poor at explaining what is taking place. So as I said, the colour purple is a symbolic colour used during Lent. Now where does it get its origin from? Believe it or not, it finds its origin in Scripture. You see, purple is rich in symbolism, originally associated with royalty, because it was a more expensive colour of dye in the times of Christ. But in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was used as an act of derision towards our Lord when Pilate placed a purple robe on Jesus, whom he called the King of the Jews. Now, in regard to it being an act of derision, we must remember what it goes and tells us in Mark in chapter 15, verses 16 to 20, which we have just been listening to. And that is that the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers, and they put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And again and again they struck him on the head with a staff, and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. Then, when they had finished mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him out to be crucified. So, why do we use the colour purple during Lent? Because it symbolises the pain, the suffering that Jesus Christ went through. And in that it should cause in our hearts mourning and penitence. Because after all, is it not because of your sin and my sin that he suffered? So just there's a little by the way on why it is that the colour purple is used during Lent. Graham Kendrick went and wrote a beautiful piece summarising everything that took place in The Passion, in a song called Come and See. Come and see, come and see, come and see the King of Love. See the purple robe and crown of thorns he wears. Soldiers mock, rulers sneer, as he lifts the cruel cross, lone and friendless now. He climbs towards the hill. And so there you have, again, that reference to the purple robe that Jesus went and wore. Now this is a lengthy piece of music, but listen to the beautiful lyrics in it as you contemplate and consider in this Lenten time what it is that Christ suffered on your behalf. Heartlands on Midlands 103. Good morning and welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And now we will have Pastor Phil sharing a brief thought, reflection upon our lectionary gospel reading for today, which is found in Mark in chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. 
Take a listen what he has to say. Well, wherever you're tuning in, thank you for joining us once again. As we look at Jesus' story, as told by Mark. The young man lay at home thinking of many things. Being paralysed, his mind was just about the only thing about him that could be active. But his musings were suddenly cut short as his friends burst through the door. He's back! He's back! Who's back? What Jesus of Nazareth? He's back here in Capernaum. We're going to take you to him. He tried to protest, but his friends were not to be deterred. And soon he had to shield his eyes from the bright sunlight as he was carried along, following the excited crowds. Everybody seemed to be going in the same direction. There was a large throng uh, at the house where the rabbi from Nazareth was. No possible way in. But the young man's friends were not to be stopped. And they carried him up the steps at the side of the house onto the roof. He was shocked and embarrassed to see what, they ha- what happened next. They began to tear at the roof with their bare hands. Soon the hole in the roof was large enough to allow the man and his bed to be lowered down into the crammed room. Much to the annoyance of the people who had to brush debris from their robes. But when he was on the floor, the young man looked up into the caring eyes and compassionate face of the Son of God. Son, your sins are forgiven. For a moment, he was confused and even disappointed. As a uh, disapproving murmur went round the room, the truth suddenly dawned on him. His greatest problem was not his disability. It was his sin. And what joy he felt in his heart, knowing that burden was now lifted from him. Then he heard that authoritative voice again. Rise, lift up your bed, go home. And to the astonished gaze of those in that house, the young man did as he was told. First looking into the eyes of the one who had performed both miracles and then looking up through the hole in the roof at his friends, there were tears streaming down their faces. He pushed through the crowd and out to the front door where he embraced his friends joyfully. It was a day that they would never ever forget. And to make sure you don't forget, Take the time to read the story in the first 12 verses of Mark chapter 2. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the words of Scripture which affirm that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Help us each one to be sure that we have experienced the touch of our Saviour, the one who loved us and who gave himself for us on the cross. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Now prompted by Pastor Phil, let us indeed take the time to read Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Jesus heals a paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left 
not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Amen. So, folks, as we come to the end of our show, I just would like to go and share with you that our last hymn is going to be At the Name of Jesus, Every Knee Shall Bow. And when we consider the Lenten journey that we are all on, is it that in our hearts that we are actually bowing our knee to Jesus Christ? Or is it just an outward show? That is the real question that we need to ask ourselves during this Lenten season. Am I someone who truly, at the name of Jesus, shall bow my knee and my tongue will confess that he is indeed the King of glory? Or is it only lip service? After all, Jesus did go and say about the people of his day that with their lips they honour me, but in their hearts they curse. Tell me this, how are you on that front today? So with that, folks, I want to thank you for journeying with me today and joining with me on the show. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. And here is that hymn. At the name of Jesus. Heartlands on Midlands 103.